History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spectacular people. Welcome to this 337th episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Kelly. Kelly, on this episode, we are going to be doing a couple of locations that were suggested by our listener, Danielle Daniels. These are in Indiana, the French Lick, and West Baden Springs Resorts. Very cool kind of cool we just did manitou springs which was all about some mineral springs same thing here we're on a tangent i guess we just (laughs) got on a tangent it's like we did a couple of asylums close together now we did a couple of mineral springs close together before we get into that we want to welcome into the spectacular crew beck we have another kelly we've had a few lately yeah we've had i think three in the last two weeks calling all kelly's yeah (laughs) cat who spells her name with a k and candy Welcome to the crew, guys. And now this moment in oddity. The moment in oddity was suggested by Darren Cook. Dogs are great, aren't they? They are loyal companions and smart, too. Maybe too smart sometimes. Back in the early 1900s in Paris, there was a really clever Newfoundland. These are really big dogs, so it's not hard to believe that a Newfoundland could pluck a child from a river to save him or her from drowning. And that's just what happened on this particular day in 1908. This dog heard the cries of a child who had fallen into the Seine and was drowning. He jumped a hedge and plunged into the water and pulled the child to the shore. The child's grateful parents rewarded the dog with a nice juicy beefsteak. Two days after this amazing rescue, another child had fallen into the river and was drowning. The Newfoundland was off to the rescue once again and was rewarded with another beefsteak. A few days later, another child had fallen into the river and, thankfully, the brave dog conducted another rescue. The people of the town were concerned at this point. This was not normal to have so many children falling into the river this close together. They assumed that a criminal was pushing the children, so they set up a sting to catch the culprit, and they were shocked when they caught him. It was the dog. He figured out after the first rescue that a drowning child pulled from the river equaled a beefsteak. When he saw a child near the river, he would push the child in and then promptly rescue him or her. A hero dog that turns out to be a fake because he's causing the emergency certainly is odd. Turn out the lights. The party's just getting started. And now, this month in history. In the month of May, on the 25th in 1979, the worst domestic air crash in U.S. history occurred. This was American Airlines Flight 191 that had taken off from Chicago O'Hare International Airport, heading for its destination in Los Angeles. The plane was a DC-10 with 271 souls aboard. Flight 191 took off in its usual way and was banking into its takeoff rotation when the left engine separated from the left wing. This separation sliced into hydraulic fluid lines, and as the engine flew over the top of the wing and back down to the runway, it damaged the left wing. This caused the plane to be unbalanced, and it inverted with the wings past the vertical position and the nose dipped below the horizon. The plane crashed down into a field about a half mile from the runway. This killed all 271 people on board the plane and also two people in a nearby trailer park. An investigation revealed that the engine had undergone some recent maintenance, and the use of a forklift to hold the engine and then return it back to its position on the wing had caused damage that resulted in the engine breaking away during takeoff. It took 32 years before a permanent memorial was made, and a sixth-grade class from Decatur Classical School in Chicago raised the money in 2009. 
The memorial was dedicated in 2011 and features the names of the victims on interlocking bricks on a two-foot-high concave wall. Last year, 2019, a special remembrance ceremony was held because it was the 40th anniversary of this tragic crash. When it comes to gorgeous hotels, the French Lick Springs Resort is at the top of the list and is one of the most beautiful buildings in all of Indiana. Just a mile away is an even more impressive resort, the West Baden Springs Resort. This hotel was once considered one of the eighth wonders of the world. Both of these resorts share mineral springs that were believed to have healing qualities, and they're both considered two of the most haunted locations in Indiana. Join us as we explore the history and hauntings of the French Lick and West Baden Springs resorts. Kelly, it's pretty hard to say the name of this town without giggling a little bit. French Lick? Well. (laughs) Kelly, when I put out onto social media that this was going to be one of our next locations that we were doing, one of our listeners, Coilette, said, why do the French want to lick springs? Oh, my. And they're kind of sulfur springs, so maybe not. I don't know. Let's delve into it. I'm going to tell (laughs) you. French Lick is a town in southern Indiana that became well known for its mineral springs. The town was originally called Salt Spring, and it started as a French trading post. Well, there you go. Yeah. The name eventually changed to French Lick, most likely because this had started out as a French property, and there were mineral licks nearby. That's what they kind of call the, get a buildup around those mineral springs. It's a lick, and kind of like a salt lick, I guess. So there you go. (laughs) That's where you get your French Lick. Now, do the French like to go up to those things and lick them? You'd have to ask somebody from France, I guess. Apparently, back at that time, French Lick didn't have the same giggle-inducing effect, because I know I wouldn't have wanted to name a town French Lick. And a little fun fact, and we discussed this when we all got together for the virtual happy hour last evening, this is Larry Bird's hometown. Just as was the case for Manitou Springs, that was the topic of our last episode, a doctor came through the area and realized the money-making, excuse me, health benefits of the mineral springs there. His name was Dr. William Bowles, and in 1845, he built the French Lick Springs Hotel. This original hotel was made from wood and stood three stories. He attracted hundreds of people to come from all around to partake of the healing waters of the nearby springs. In 1897, everything almost went bust when the springs dried up in a drought. Then a fire burned down the Hotel Windsor on the property. The French Lick Hotel that stands today was built by Mayor Tom Taggart. He bought the property with a small group of investors in 1901. He put yellow French Lick brick over the wood frame. There are several architectural styles represented here, with the main hotel being the free classic subtype of Queen Anne Victorian. There are also 19th and 20th century revival Italian Renaissance stylings, and the golf shop is a craftsman bungalow. Architect W. Homer Floyd designed the hotel. The foundation is limestone with brick, wood, asphalt, terracotta, and metal for the walls and roof. The main building was built in a T-shape with 471 rooms. One step inside the two-story lobby and you are mesmerized. The word gorgeous barely does it justice. There were originally Victorian influences, but these were exchanged for the Italian Renaissance, and the floors are Italian marble mosaic. There are several structural pillars and pilasters that are painted either white or painted to look like marble. There are ceiling beams embellished with dentils and modillions. Much of this dates back to a renovation done in 1911. I love going into the lobbies of these old grand hotels because they just are so beautiful. You know, nowadays we walk into the hotel lobby and it's got your standard tile floor that's easy to clean. Right. Some paint on the walls and a front desk that's maybe laminate (laughs) or something. And you just you look at these places, you walk into them. And when you look at those pillars, they really do look like they're marble pillars. They're done so well. They yeah, it, it like kind of match. reminds me of <laughs> the toilet seats in... Yes, because I was fooled. <laughs> uh, Katazan, Katazan yep. yes, in yep, their bathroom. Fooled by that. 
There's so much to the property with the main hotel building and other outbuildings and gardens that it took 95 pages for the National Park Service to describe everything, Kelly. Wow. I love going through these things because that's how you get to find out all the details about what goes into the buildings and things like that. Absolutely. When I pulled this one up, I was like, 95 pages. Now, there's a lot of pictures in there, too, but... Still, it's very cool to get all the minute little details. Yeah, and there's... I mean, there really are a lot of buildings on the property. The hotel also has a golf course that was originally designed by Donald Ross. There was a wood-framed casino and bowling alley that have been demolished. Taggart was able to bring more people to the resort after convincing the Monon Railroad to build a track that made daily runs from Chicago right to the hotel. Can you imagine going up to the railway and saying, hey, could you just build a little out rail this way and we'll just go directly from Chicago to the hotel and then back again? (laughs) If money were were no expense. Yeah, I I mean, mean, that's just how popular this place was, that they could make a daily run. There was also a trolley line added and Taggart is responsible for bringing electricity to French Lick. He also started his own Mineral Springs water bottling company he called Pluto Spring and began distributing the French Lick Spring water nationally. And it seems like with a lot of these places, they do get into their own bottling. We learned that at the Mineral Springs Hotel in Alton, Illinois. They did their own bottling there, too. Exactly. They were shipping 450 carloads on the rail lines every year. It's a lot of that mineral water going out. You're going to love this, Kelly. One of the taglines of the Pluto water was, when nature won't, Pluto will. Oh, my God. And that was to describe its <laughs> laxative effect. Oh, lovely. Because you can imagine drinking mineral water. Yeah, you don't want to be doing that. No, it's not good for your system. So it uh, it cleans you out, I guess. Like some Epsom salts or something. <laughs> <laughs> there are several springs in the area, and each seems to have its own mix of elements reflected in its name. For example, the Lithia Spring contains lithium oxide. And a little fun fact, Chef Louis Perrin created the first tomato juice drink in 1917 when the resort ran out of oranges and couldn't serve orange juice. Can you imagine looking over at the tomatoes and going, I wonder if I could juice those? I mean, a tomato is a fruit, but I wouldn't have thought to juice a tomato and then I serve like it. I tomato juice. I'm not a fan, but... <laughs> not, I, not like Clamato, because it has a clam juice in it, but... I mean, it's not... V8. Hideous, but... Low sodium. I like it. Oh, okay. We've but got, got it. Other stuff in there. <laughs> but I mean, can you imagine coming up with that when no. you're like, we're out of orange juice, so that's what you go for? Especially at a resort. Yeah. I'm like, um, sorry, what? <laughs> so for those of you who like V8, I should hit you in the forehead with my palm. Could have had a V8. <laughs> this is where it started in French Lick in 1917. Nice. So Diane has never golfed, but I used to go with my dad many times. One of the things that French Lick became well known for is golf. Taggart hired golf course architect Tom Bendelow to design the resort's first championship golf course. They named it Springs Valley Golf Links Course and was completed in 1910. Seven years later, golf architect Donald Ross built the second course here and it was called French Lick Springs Golf Course. This is most commonly referred to as the Hill Course. In 1924, the PGA Championship was held at this course. We like to talk about the Roaring Twenties, and I almost hate that we did, Kelly. (laughs) We were talking about how great 2020 was going to be because we really love the Roaring Twenties. Hashtag true. At least until COVID-19 hit. And the hotel had its own roaring feel during that decade with guests like the Rockefellers, the Studebakers, sports legends, the Vanderbilts, movie stars like Lana Turner, and I did put a picture of her up on our Instagram signing an autograph right outside the French Lick, and gangsters all staying in the hotel. Before there was a Las Vegas, illegal gambling was going on in the Springs area. Taggart didn't like gambling, but he enjoyed the benefits he received from it, and he protected it. Taggart died in 1929, and his son Thomas D. Taggart Jr. took over and kept things going. The French Lick Springs Hotel rose to prominence in the 1930s when Taggart Jr. became the Democratic National Chairman, and in 1931, the hotel hosted the Democratic Governor's Conference. It would be here that Franklin Delano Roosevelt would drum up support for the party's presidential nomination, and he was elected in 1932. Taggart Jr. also hosted President Truman and his wife at the hotel. The French Lake Hotel was sold on November 29, 1946, to a syndicate out of New York City. Not long after this, the police raided the hotel and shut down the illegal gambling. This was called the Derby Weekend Raid on Illegal Gambling. The derby part referred to the Kentucky Derby, and guests arrived back to the hotel after the festivities to find the hotel chained and padlocked. 
I'm thinking they weren't able to retrieve their belongings, so that'd be kind of like, what is going on? Appears that way. The Sheridan Corporation bought French Lick in 1955, and they remodeled so they could target convention business. The changes they made were ugly, to say the least, as they covered the beautiful mosaic floors with black and white linoleum, square tiles, and carpet. The ornate plaster cornices were covered up too. Sheraton sold the property in 1979 to the Cox Hotel Corporation of New York, and this would be the case for years, with the hotel changing ownership over and over. There would be a time in the 1980s when villas were added as part of timeshare packages. Can you imagine going in and seeing all these beautiful mosaic tiles on the floor and you throw black and white linoleum down on top of them? Not at all. Thankfully, Luther James had the winning bid at an auction of French Lick in 1991. He launched a restoration shortly thereafter to return the hotel to its glory days and updated all the guest rooms. When he was nearly done, he sold it to the Boykin Lodging Group in 1997 and they finished the refurbishment. The next ownership would begin in 2005, but we'll wait to tell you about that because this same person bought the West Baden Springs Resort at the same time, and we haven't told you about that hotel yet. This hotel, the West Baden, was built in 1850 by Dr. John Lane and is about a mile away from the French Lick Resort. The West Baden was originally called the Mile Lick Inn. I don't know that that's okay. all that great, but okay. And it served the same purpose of bringing people to come bathe in and drink the healing mineral waters of the springs. The name was later changed to West Baden Springs after the famous mineral springs in West Baden, Germany. Dr. Lane sold the property to Lee W. Sinclair in 1888. Sinclair made several additions, including a couple of golf courses, a ball field, a church, opera house, and a double-decker horse and bicycle track. And it was on the inner part of that track that Sinclair added that baseball field, and there were also tennis courts in there. The Grand Hotel that stands today with the world's largest free-span dome was not the original hotel. That burned to the ground in 1901. So Sinclair built this better one and modeled it after spas found in Europe with the help of architect Harrison Albright of West Virginia. Because of that spectacular dome, this has been called the eighth wonder of the world. Incredibly, the hotel and dome were built in less than a year using techniques that were used to build suspension bridges. That dome wasn't the only big thing about West Baden. The fireplace in the lobby could burn 14-foot logs inside, and there was a 220-foot diameter atrium. Yeah, so when you walk into this domed building, the atrium basically is the front lobby, and it's just this huge, wide-open space. And you just look up, and it's all these columns going up to this huge dome at the top. And when you see it from the outside or the inside, it's just extraordinary. The mathematics that had to have gone into the support for that dome must have been insane. And you think about early 1900s. I can't just, I I just can't imagine it. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Definitely the eighth wonder. And 14 foot logs. Who the heck had to carry those things in and put them in the fireplace? Fun fact, that atrium was large enough to host the Hagenbeck Wallace Circus one year. Kelly, people might recall us talking about that circus in our circus miniseries. That was the circus that was in the 1918 train fire in Hammond, Indiana. The hotel opened for business in 1902. Major League Baseball teams would train here, and the Chicago Cubs did that on their two runs to winning the World Series in 1907 and 1908. And my, how long it took to get back to that. Yeah, everybody was talking about how long ago it was that the Cubs had won a World Series. That's when it was before they won it recently. Well, perhaps they should have trained there all along. Yeah, they should have said, you know what? Remember when we made that run and we won the World Series back to back? Maybe we should go train back at that ball field. (laughs) It's like people wearing a certain pair of socks or something that are disgusting and dirty and old. and superstition. (laughs) Lee Sinclair died in 1916 and the business passed on to his daughter Lillian and her husband. The hotel was leased to the military as a hospital during World War I. Lillian and her husband did some renovations after this that cost more than they had expected, and in 1923 they sold the hotel to Ed Ballard. And while the French Lick Resort was maneuvered deftly by Taggart Jr. through the Great Depression, the same would not happen for the West Baden. When the stock market crashed in 1929, the hotel emptied out almost overnight. Ballard was draining money fast and wanted to unload the property, which is just what he did. He sold the Grand Hotel to the Jesuits, the Society for Jesus, for one dollar. Holy cow. So it was almost like he couldn't get anybody to buy it. So he's like, wow. well, I guess I'll give it to you because you have to at least sell it for a dollar. Right. So, yeah. Talk about a loss. They turned the hotel into a seminary and removed many of the elegant embellishments, including the four Moorish towers. 
They called the seminary the West Baden College, and it would stay that way until 1962, when the Jesuits abandoned the property and it sat empty until 1966, when a Michigan couple bought the property and donated it to the Northwood Institute, a private college. They operated until 1985 and sold to a real estate developer who shortly thereafter declared bankruptcy, and this left the property in limbo for years with litigation. Even though the West Baden Resort managed to get listed on the National Historic Landmark Register, there was no one taking care of it, and the elements hit it hard. Things became so unsafe that the public was banned from entering, starting in 1989, and by 1991, a portion of the exterior wall had collapsed. There was a real danger of demolition, but Indiana Landmarks stepped in to save the property, and they managed to stabilize it enough to attract buyers. Minnesota Investment Partners would be the next buyer in 1994, and they optioned it to Grand Casinos Incorporated. But it wouldn't be until 2005 that the French Lick and West Baden would come together under joint ownership and both be developed back into the gorgeous properties that they are today. Bill and Gail Cook and their son Carl, under their partnership Cook Group Incorporated, bought both properties, and they invested multi-millions of dollars to renovate. This endeavor had actually started earlier when Indiana Landmarks initially started the stabilization. The Cooks funded that with $2 million. Yeah, so they were in this pretty early on, but it was just kind of like they were philanthropists and they really liked old buildings and wanted to save them. So when they heard that Indiana Landmarks was trying to save this place, they're like, oh, here's a couple million. Go have at it. And they just kind of sat back. Well, then as things started progressing and it started getting very, very costly, you can imagine trying to refurb something that's called the eighth wonder of the world. Sure. Starting to cost a lot of money. And so then finally they were like, you know what? We better just jump in with both feet and buy these properties. I'm glad that they circled back around and and did that. Yeah. Gambling was legal at this point and the French Lick got the last casino license in the state of Indiana. The French Lick reopened in 2006 with the addition of the French Lick Casino. The Hill Course was also refurbished and reopened, and in 2007, the restoration of the West Baden Resort was completed. In 2014, Kelly, they reintroduced trolley service there. Yay! I think that's very cool. And so basically, this trolley runs back and forth between the two hotels because they're over a mile apart from each other. Very cool. After $600 million, so their initial investment was $2 million. A a little bit more. Yeah. Just just a smidge. (laughs) Cha-ching. The hotels are back to their former glory, and it would seem that several of the spirits from that glorious past are still hanging around the property. Both of these resorts are reputedly haunted. Before we get into that, though, you know we like to talk about legends, and there is one connected to the West Baden that is a bit of a mystery. The story goes that the giant medallion that is at the center of the dome when you look up is not just a pretty embellishment. This was actually a bandstand that could go up and down. At least, that is according to some older folks who claim to have witnessed the medallion going up and down with the help of cables, and that indeed, there would be a band that was playing on that bandstand. The Springs Valley Herald looked into the claims of this descending bandstand in 1981, and they concluded that there was no way that this medallion could function that way. So what's the truth to this mystery? Did the medallion at the center of the world's eighth wonder have the ability to go up and down? There is no photographic evidence. Carl Cook investigated the claims during renovations, and he found a lot of steel that was very solidly attached. There are mirrors that go all around the inner part of the medallion that are part of a light show that dates back to 1917. Before renovations, those mirrors had turned black, so it's possible that people thought they were chairs for a bandstand. But what about eyewitnesses? Diane listened to their stories, and they seemed pretty certain of what they had seen. So I guess we'll just have to leave that mystery up to you guys to decide. One thing we know for sure, though, is that there are angels painted above the medallion, and they watch over the atrium, even though nobody can actually see them. We think they are pretty creepy. We have several pictures of them up on Instagram. Yeah, when I was watching the video about this mystery, I thought, oh, that's really fun. I always love these little extra tidbits, especially if it's something that's odd or a mystery. And then they went up there and they said, but there are these angels. They don't know who put them up there. They don't know (laughs) when they were painted there. But they're done in a very old style, kind of like something you'd see in the 1600s. Very medieval. But they're creepy looking and their eyes are weird. The eyes look very different than 
most art pieces that you'd see of that time. Yeah. So I, I don't really know. It, uh, it's very different. <laughs> and obviously there's been some people up there that have done a little bit of writing over them. and Yeah, some tagging, yeah. some inscribing or carving on the walls to say, so-and-so's been here. But while they were showing them on this video that I was watching, I'm like, I'm going to take some pictures of those and put them up on Instagram and see what people think. But yeah, definitely. They'll be up on Instagram for you guys to see. Very creepy. All right. Now for the ghosts. We'll start at the French Lick Hotel. Hello Normal Investigations did an investigation at the French Lick Resort about three months ago. They had an EMF detector like ours and a spirit box that did have a few words and phrases that came across it. Kelly, you know, for us, the spirit box, it's really hard to tell if it's a legit thing. It is. Uh, you listened to it. It sounded in a couple places like it was just a country song that they were catching every so often. And Absolutely. you'd hear the words because it yeah. was the same kind of sound. It sounded like it was rotating really slowly, even though. Yeah, because what's weird is usually how you can figure out that the things coming across the spirit box could be something supernatural is that it's like a phrase. And usually it's flipping through the channels so quickly, there's no way you'd get a full phrase altogether. Right. It's different voices with syllables, essentially, that come together. And this one, they were getting a lot of phrases that were three, four, five words. You know what I just thought of? Perhaps because of where they were at, maybe there weren't many stations that they mm. could get in on that. And that's why it kept revisiting. I, I wonder if there's a way to tell how many stations it's able to pull in. That is such a fascinating thought because that had because never like occurred kept, to me. It kept revisiting. That it would be based on local stations going through it. Because, yeah, you're right. If you are in a more rural, yeah, less dense place. I mean, I might, I may completely be off base, but that just popped into my head. That could be because, I mean, that country song was like coming up. Boom, boom, yeah, boom. Yeah, it was. So maybe that would be a way that you would get a lot more phrases coming up. Anyway, so there were some interesting things that were said. Maybe they were something, maybe they weren't. They also had something that looked similar to, I guess it was like a REM pod. It had these two little triangular lights that were next to each other, and it would light green for yes, red for no, and then it would both of them would pulse blue while it waited for some kind of EMF flare or something. Twice when they asked if Thomas Taggart was with them, it lit up red. And again, I don't know, do the spirits really understand the differences in the colors, that kind of thing? While we're not sure we would say they captured evidence, their chance of interacting with Taggart is a possibility, according to many witnesses. He loved this hotel, and that seems to be something that holds spirits to a location. Kelly, when we do a lot of these haunted locations, it's either love of a property or tragedy that seems to lock people into a location. Yeah, definitely. Taggart seems to like hanging out at the service elevator. The scent of tobacco smell is near the elevator, which is attributed to him. And Taggart runs the elevator sometimes. He'll stop it on floors that haven't been called, and sometimes buttons will light up on their own. People claim to see a mist near the elevator, too. Strangely, witnesses have claimed to see Taggart riding a horse in the ballroom or down hallways. That I don't understand, because, <laughs> number one, if it was residual, did he ever ride his horse in the hotel? That seems weird. And number well, two, why slightly. would you do it as a ghost? <laughs> I just don't get it. I'm just wondering if it could be residual in terms of where the building was in the process of being built. Well, maybe because the French Lick didn't have the horse run there. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't just know. thought that was so strange. Really? Yeah, it is odd. The ballroom has the residual sound of parties heard. A former African-American bellhop appears as a full-bodied apparition near his former workstation. When guests see him and then ask about him, they will point to him in old hotel photos. Employees claim that they get phone calls from the sixth floor with no one on the other end. It is this floor that is said to be the most haunted. There are cold spots here, shadow figures, and disembodied laughter. A woman killed herself here on her wedding night in a room on the sixth floor, and in that room is a red stain that appears in the bathtub, and the cleaning staff has a hard time removing it, only to have it reappear later. Room 521 has a spirit that scatters clothing around and turns on the shower. Ed wrote on the Ghosts of America website, my wife and I stayed one night on the fourth floor around four years ago in May 2014. We were unfamiliar with the hotel and its reputation. A friend gave us the trip as a getaway golf outing. That night I awoke in the middle of the night around 1 or 2 a.m. and heard sobbing coming from the bathroom. I figured it was Elaine, but I couldn't guess why. After a few minutes of this, she reached up to the toilet stool handle and began jiggling it. Metal on porcelain makes a very distinctive sound. The room was semi-dark, the bathroom darker, and the water closet pitch dark. I got up and went to the bathroom to ask what was wrong. 
I looked around the corner to the water closet and spoke, Elaine? There was no response. The sobs and noise had stopped when I got out of bed. I went back to bed and slowly reached across the mattress and found that my wife was still sleeping on the bed. I didn't get back up. I decided that I'm a Christian and that if something was to happen, I was confident that all would be okay. Then Kelly, as so many of these people do, (laughs) he says, I went back to sleep until morning. Okay. Well, I'm a Christian too, but I would still... (laughs) I don't know that I'd be able to go go right back to sleep. And I sure as heck would have woken you up and said, oh my God, you know what just happened? Oh, completely. And made sure that you definitely weren't up. I would be upset if you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) You, You sure you weren't up crying in the bathroom? The West Baden Resort is full of haunts. The crash of the stock market caused some people to commit suicide at the resort. There are those who claim to see residual scenes of people jumping from the higher floors. Connected to this is some evidence that have been captured over the years. There is an EVP that was captured of a female voice saying, He's gone. It's gone. Another EVP captured a man saying, I've lost everything. There is a female apparition that is seen in the atrium wearing a period dress that is quite elaborate. The second and third floors are said to have the most activity. There are green orbs of light that have been seen, and there is an apparition of a man wearing a bowler hat that has been seen. His clothing is said to date from the early 1900s. Disembodied footsteps are heard in the hallways, and guests claim to have something knock on their doors. But when they open the door, there is no one and nothing there. Shadow figures have been seen in the basement at night. And most troubling, some guests claim that they have been pushed. Who's going down in the basement at night and seeing shadow figures? If it's night, I'm not going down in any basement. Unless you're investigating. Well, okay. Yes, I guess I would. (laughs) But somebody's going with me. Brenda wrote of her stay at the West Baden Resort on the Ghosts of America website. My husband and I just stayed a couple of nights at the West Baden Resort. The hotel is absolutely beautiful and we really enjoyed our stay. There's an elevator right off the atrium lobby just down from where you check in. This appears to be an original elevator of the hotel. It has glass windows that overlook the dome. On several occasions, when we reached the sixth floor, the door would open and there would be an overwhelming smell of roses that hit you as soon as you stepped off. There was no denying the smell, but as soon as you turned to go down the hallway towards the room, the smell would disappear. I didn't think much of it at first, but this happened every time we would go to get off this particular elevator. This only occurred in the evening hours, never during the day. We never had this happen on any of the other elevators. We finally asked one of the staff if they had anyone else notice this, and she herself had. She indicated that one of the former owner's wives had passed away, and she would always bathe in the evening and always had rose petals in her bath water. We never felt threatened or scared at the hotel, but we definitely believe there are spirits roaming the halls of this, which I will call the eighth wonder of the world. Hmm. Isn't that interesting they'd smell it near the elevator? Well, maybe the room was nearby. Yeah, but still, it just seems so weird that it would be at an elevator rather than, you know, we walked into the room and every time we went in the bathroom, it smelled like that at night. Right. So weird how these things work. (laughs) No rhyme or reason. No. Typically. Don wrote on the same website, My nephew and I were walking on the lawn by the swimming pool last autumn about 10.30 p.m. and I had the strangest feeling and turned about and saw the shadow of a very old gentleman standing by one of the trees. When we approached him, he vanished. A very moving experience that neither frightened myself or my nephew, but one we continue to ponder. Kelly, apparently there are spirits of some of those Jesuits still here, too. Judith wrote, I saw my first ghost at the West Baden Hotel when it was still Northwood Institute of Indiana. I'd awakened from a deep sleep to see a figure that looked like a monk in a long robe with the hood up. That'd be kind of scary. Hooded figure. Well, yeah. The next day, my roommate and I asked our security guard, Will, who was a local resident, if he'd ever heard a story of one of the Jesuits having died of anything other than natural causes. The Jesuits had a college there before Northwest Institute, and some are buried on the property in the little cemetery on the hill, which I was not aware there was a cemetery here. French Lick and West Baden, you need to put that on your website. It's an important little key fact. Definitely. (laughs) He said there was a story of one of the Jesuits falling down the stairs and breaking his neck. Our room was right by the stairs. Other than that, I was never afraid my two years living there. In fact, I never wanted to leave. I continued to come back and stay at the French Lick Resort and go on over 50 tours of West Bain Springs at its worst and now at its best. When the renovations on the hotel were still going on, I took my daughter and two friends on a ghost hunting tour on Halloween in 2002. I made the reservation for the last tour so we would be there at midnight. Wow, that's so perfect. (laughs) While on the tour, I was asked by my daughter to tell my college story. After I finished the story, one of the ghost hunters said, ah, the monk. I was really surprised because I'd never heard of anyone else saying they'd seen the monk. After the tour, we stopped to use the restroom before leaving. 
We entered to see a young boy in the women's restroom. A few young people were asking questions. As they did, the lights overhead went on and off in response to the questions. They thought they were talking to Lillian Sinclair. I went on another tour in 2005 in the daytime. As we were leaving, we stopped by the restroom. As I told the story to my friend Michelle, she opened the door confidently, but as she stepped in, some of the lights went out, and she hightailed it out of there, almost knocking me down. At the French Lick Springs Hotel, when they were doing their renovations in 2005, my daughter's boyfriend got off on the wrong floor, and it was one that was closed off for construction. He said he saw a little boy by himself. He tried to talk to the boy, but he turned and ran away. Things that make you go, hmm. A hotel worker claimed to have a weird experience. I work at the West Baden Hotel as a cleaner. After being there for a few weeks, I was cleaning the library up, wiping tables, when I noticed out of the corner of my eye something moving. Out of the middle window, a rocking chair was rocking on its own, among all the other ones that were dead still across the porch. It just kept going. Wind was barely even blowing, and no one was on the porch recently. I wanted a better look, so I walked around the other side of the room, losing my line of sight with passing the first window. Then in my head thinking, is it just going to stop? I looked out the second window, and it has stopped. Dead stopped. Freaked me out. I made my way to exit out of one of the doors again and looked back to see if it would move again. All of a sudden, one of the wall lamps started flickering faintly next to the window, and I felt my body shudder from the waist up, accompanied with goosebumps. Oh, God. It drove me out of there walking very fast towards the safety of the atrium. This was around 12 noon fall of this year. I was wondering if they ever went back in and cleaned that library again. Hopefully. It is strange to have multiple rocking chairs sitting there and only one moving. It does make you think, well, the wind can't be causing that. Yeah, certainly. And then when you turn back to go, I wonder if that rocking chair is going again, and then all of a sudden the light near it starts flickering. Ed wrote, I visited the hotel about two years ago along with my wife and daughter. My wife and I were admiring the Prince of the Angels, smaller copies of the paintings found inside the dome. And he said, admiring, really? I think you were probably looking <laughs> at him and going, what the same thing? are those strange <laughs> things? I guess they have them in the main hallway. Suddenly, my wife says, stop it. I turned to see her circling around with a confused look. She told me that someone had strongly tugged on her ponytail. At the time of the tugging, I was standing at the other end of the row of pictures, and our daughter was at least 10 feet away in a lounge chair, both of us well out of reach. Hmm. Oh, boy. I can relate to that feeling. Yeah, you've had your hair played with, haven't you? I have. Elevator here seems to be haunted, too. Anonymous wrote, My husband and I stayed at the West Baden Springs Hotel. It's absolutely gorgeous, and the service is fantastic. I told my husband that I thought the hotel was haunted. After he did the historic tour, he came back and said the ghost trackers visit the hotel every year, confirming my suspicion. When we left yesterday, the elevator stopped on the first floor, but the door would not open. We were pressing various buttons and nothing happened. All of a sudden, the elevator went to the second floor. The door never opened and then by itself went back down to the first floor. I already am not crazy about elevators. They're small, (laughs) enclosed things. You have to trust that they're not going to drop you to your death. And then you're always like stuck in there with people you don't know. And you're like, hmm. So I can't imagine if it's like, let me off this thing and it starts going again. You're like, is this the Hollywood Tower of Terror? Exactly. Tabitha wrote, two years ago, my mother, myself, my daughter, and a friend of ours were staying at the West Baden Hotel. My daughter was eight years old at the time, and she reports seeing a full-body apparition leaning over our friend, and this was at about 5.30 a.m. My daughter was trying to figure out at first who was in the room. The ghost that she saw was a woman dressed in what she described as old-time clothes, just leaning over and looking at our friend. My daughter didn't realize what she was seeing until the woman disappeared. My mother was the only other person awake and was around the corner. When she came from around the corner, the lady disappeared. My mom and daughter left the room and my daughter then told my mom what she had seen. I'd like to add that they left me sleeping in the room. Lovely. (laughs) Actually, my daughter wasn't ever really afraid and after two years still tells the same story, not changing anything. She now watches Ghost Hunters and would like taps to investigate. That's fantastic. I love it. There are many ghost stories connected to both of these resorts. They are gorgeous properties. Are the French Lick and West Baden resorts haunted? That That is for you to decide. A couple of interesting properties there in Indiana. So thank you to Danielle for suggesting those. We'd like to invite you guys to check out our website at historyghostbump.com. And if you want to send us some feedback, you can do that at historyghostbump at gmail.com. And we did hear from Deirdre. She said, hello, I've been listening for a few weeks and I started the first show because I cannot just start in the middle. I know I'm crazy and more likely will never be up to date. 
we've had some people complain about that. And then when you catch up, you're going to be complaining that we don't get them out fast enough. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, she had a great story to share with us. And she said I could share it with the listeners. I lived at a house in Lansing, Kansas, across the street from the public cemetery. I call it that since the military cemetery was right next to it. My son was two and a half or three at the time playing in the front yard on his little push car. The ones that little ones can walk behind and push or ride by pushing their feet on the ground. I was at the front door watching him play and he was riding up the hill. It's a small little hill and down only going about three feet at a time. I did not think anything about it till he got off to push it and said, where do you live? Oh, over there pointing at the kids part of the cemetery. Oh, I can't go there, but we can play here. Oh my God, what is he talking to? <laughs> that is when I really watched and noticed he was not pushing with his feet up the hill. He did not seem bothered by it, so I was not. I'm thinking the way she indicates that, that he was not pushing himself, was something pushing his well, push car up. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Yes. But he wasn't bothered, and I would just keep standing there watching. <laughs> I knew whoever or whatever he was talking to, he was not scared of it, so it was not going to hurt him. There were many other things that happened in that house, but I'll not waste your time with all of them. And believe me, guys, it's not a waste of our time not to share your stories. Please let us know more. <laughs> I get so many apologies for, sorry about the long email. And I'm like, no, we want to hear. So don't ever feel like you're wasting our time. I did always feel safe in that house until we moved. I had a really bad and sad feeling when I was packing. I'm sharing this with you because of the things that you've said about how you feel about children and ghosts. I do not think that my house was evil, and I've always hoped that the kids were not stuck here, but maybe waiting on someone. You know, because I've said in the past that I wasn't sure if children could be ghosts. Right, and I think that that reflects back to earlier episodes, so she'll she'll probably come to see that. Yeah, I've definitely changed my mind. And the main thing that has changed my mind is just like I said, that I've moved from being a closer to skeptic to more of a believer based sure. on experiences. And it's been the same thing with the child ghosts. You and I have had enough experiences Several. catching EVPs of what clearly sounds like child's voices and thinking that we're having some kind of interaction, whether it's in the Velisca Axe murder house with the girls there, whether it's at the Greenwood Cemetery in the nursery section of the cemetery. Exactly. It just, you really do get a feel that Maybe there are some and children's spirits. And I don't spirits. feel like they're they're stuck there either. No, no, I don't know. I mean, Who we'll kn- never we'll never know. But yeah. I I get I don't get that feeling like they're stuck there. It's just that they're choosing to interact. And I maybe one day we'll find out. Mm-hmm. But I I really feel like you can go back and forth. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that has occurred to me too is that we don't know exactly what happens the minute you die so is there some kind of a waiting period or i sometimes wonder if children aren't stuck here because they're like where's my mommy and daddy they're waiting for them who knows could be but what a cool story that our little guy's like playing (laughs) with somebody and it's like nope i can't go over to the cemetery i have to stay here so and maybe she was just feeling the the spirit's emotions in terms of they were leaving and the spirit was disappointed yeah i think that's what she was doing is feeling those feelings We got a message over on the website, and this is from Joan with the Chattanooga Ghost Tours. I have been on the Chattanooga. Yeah, you did it with me the last time I was there, and I've done it before. She writes, just discovered your podcast. I'm a ghost tour guide and have had a few close encounters with the spirit world. Two locations that continue to surprise me are a haunted hotel in our city, as well as an abandoned sanitarium. I was particularly interested in your episodes about Trans-Allegheny and St. Albans, and just how mental illness was handled in those days. This gives me some good general background to offer my guests before talking about the sanitarium. It's a really creepy place with some very unusual photos being captured on a regular basis. I wondered if you've ever covered the stone tape theory or residual hauntings in any of your podcasts. When I discovered that Trans-Allegheny is the largest hand-cut stone masonry building in North America, I thought then that this theory could be considered. Thanks for all your research. History in general fascinates me, and I am happily making my way through all your podcasts one creepy story at a time. Keep it up. So, yeah, we have talked about the stone tape theory on the podcast before, and that is one of the reasons why you point out things like Trans-Allegheny is the largest stone-cut building, because it's like those stones capture things. Here we had the French Lick Hotel was built on limestone. We kind of see this theme going along. Absolutely. So, yeah, I definitely think that there is some kind of possibility that that's Maybe not necessarily replaying a tape of a certain time period, 
It just but, provides the energy for the manifestation. Yeah. And I yeah. think it absorbs energy. Yeah. Definitely. And then we also had a couple of people who made some interesting comments in the Spooktacular crew. First, we had Beck. I grew up on a farm near a small town in New South Wales, Australia called Weewa. I love that name. Can you imagine a farm named Weewa? I like it. The farm was located right beside the Villiga Forest. Hope I said that right. A large, creepy and historic forest. I have a few stories from my parents and have felt some strange things from it whenever being near or in it. Here are the stories I can recall mom telling me. And I love that they call their mom's mom. Hiking through the scrub, she came across cow tracks and a strange track that looked like cattle hooves inverted. Both sets of tracks came together. The dirt was scuffled and leading away from the scuffle was only the weird inverted tracks. We believe that to be the Pilaga Yawi. Ooh, this sounds like a cryptid. It does. Then, of course, there's the typical stories of strange screams and noises. I always get a feeling of being watched when near the scrub. My old English teacher told the story of her caravan being rocked when she was staying in the Filiga. Lastly, there's reportedly two men who live deep in the Filiga and their house is surrounded by dogs and they won't tell the story of what they've seen. Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I love when you make that sound so And then we have Cheyenne. It's almost 11, but after the events of tonight, I can't sleep. Although my fiance apparently can. So Isn't I'll that sh- how it always goes? And I was just going to say that's how it always goes. So I'll share my story because why not? So my fiance and I moved into our current place back in October, just the two of us and our cat. It's not old, old, built around the 50s like most places here. I'm glad she said that that's not old, old. (laughs) (laughs) Since we were born in the 70s. It's a small place under 600 square feet. So if anything happens in one room, it can be seen or heard in another. Obviously, the first couple months or so were uneventful. But eventually, naturally, things started happening. Our old place would have puddles of water randomly appearing on the floor. That's weird. We were an upper floor, so we assumed maybe it was a plumbing thing. But when puddles of water started appearing here, I didn't know what to think. So is this something that has followed them? That's what I'm thinking. To have puddles in two places like that, that is weird. Either that or you guys have bad plumbing that follows you around. (laughs) And there's the knocking and banging. We would hear it clear as day on the front door when no one was close enough to it to do it. Sometimes it was a wall, sometimes a scratching. This happens maybe every month, every couple months. It's been seven months that we've been here, but it's happened a handful of times. Fast forward to tonight. Typically, things only happen in the living room. I can't tell you why. It's just that way. But tonight, we heard knocking and banging in every room except the kitchen. On the door, on the walls, on the floor. Not all at once. There was a little time between things. We heard a distinct knock on the front door, but when my fiancé looked out, he found nothing, although he noted that the mailbox was open. Then he was in the bathroom, and I was in bed. The bedroom light was on, the bathroom light was off, and he was headed out into the bedroom. He suddenly dove into bed. He tells me he saw a shadow being cast into the bathroom, meaning whatever had caused it was between him and the bedroom lamp. Something, according to him, at least six foot and shaped like a person. A little while later, he said he saw the towel hanging on the door move. A lot like someone had walked under it. (laughs) I did not see either of these as I was not looking up either time, but I definitely heard everything else. At one point, we felt something move between us in the bed. Okay, that is too much. I'd be buying some sage, saging the house, saging myself, (laughs) getting some salt, burying the salt at the four corners. I mean, if something crawls between, (laughs) if something crawls between you and I in the bed and it doesn't have a cold nose and fur, (laughs) I'm out of that bed. Yeah. I truly hope this is some long, drawn out, very unfunny joke on his part but he swears up and down, left and right, forward and back that he isn't doing it. At this point, I don't know what to make of it. Thanks for reading this far and letting me pour it all out here. I think a lot of people commented. and some proactive measures, I think. A lot of people said, sage the dang place. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I think I I would too. I mean, it's not like anything super negative has happened, but if it's bothering you and if it's scary, then take care of it. Well, here's the problem, Kelly. Things are escalating. And right. that seems to be the way hauntings go. It's always, right. that's always fascinating to me. When we hear these stories of hauntings in a house, it starts off with just a little noise. I think sometimes it may be a situation where it's looking for a reaction. It does make you wonder if they're like, I wonder if they'll notice if I flip the light off and they don't do it. And then I'm going to leave a cupboard open. And then I'm going to knock on the wall. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, they're throwing you out of bed. So is it like they're just 
<laughs> waiting to see if they can get a reaction or they're just up in the ante because they want you to get the heck out of the house. Yeah, I don't know. Or is it a tulpa from energy? Just... And you're feeding it with your yeah, fear as you get yeah. more afraid. It gets more powerful. Speaking of tulpas. You just be throwing yourself out of bed. Don't be throwing me out of bed with your fears or something. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of tulpas, we just did a bonus cast on the Philip experiment and talked Indeed. quite a bit about tulpas in that. We want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. Dispatches from the Grave Digger. We want to welcome into the cemetery, Carrie Mears. You're going to be buried under a marble tombstone. And welcome Philip Kelly and Heather Seymour. You both are going to be buried in chest tombs. Thank you so much for supporting the show, you guys. We really appreciate it. Be sociable, drop the chain rattling, neck biting and shape shifting and join us on Facebook and Twitter at History Goes Bump. Like the page and follow us. out after the fire nah (laughs) nah newfies are amazing dogs they rescue in any circumstance (laughs) cinched fur and all no i don't know (laughs) especially if you give them a beefsteak this killed all two this killed all two this killed all numbers Having a problem with numbers? Yes, Am I rubbing off yeah. on you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually having a hard time with the... <laughs> the whole thing? I don't know. <laughs> the memorial was dedicated... The memorial... That has M's too. Um, no. um, <laughs> Stop it. Meh, meh. Look, we can make a song. Meh, 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 meh. Memento Mori. Memento Mori. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. I would yeah, rather yeah, say yeah. that than memorial. The mem- <laughs> God, See, I can't freaking say it now. And now this month. Uh, this month in history. 